Hello, everyone. Welcome. I am Briar Harvey. This is the Neurodiversity Media Network. And we are here today with the fabulous Heather. We are talking about neurospicy dating, which if you have missed our previous two episodes, I will leave those in the show notes. This is absolutely fantastic stuff. I've been so excited to do these episodes. And today, y'all, fun. It's the fun stuff. I'm going to talk about connecting online and off. All right. Yeah. You could call it fun. You could call it terrorizing. Yeah. Yeah, it can be both, right? Humans are dichotomous creatures, and we can be both excited and horrified by things. So, yeah. And as we get deeper, when we're on episode three, we got 10 episodes. As we get deeper, we're just gonna, I don't know, dig, dig, dig into every single aspect. And some of them are going to be a little crunchy, for sure. Okay, so what does it mean to put yourself out there? So, I mean, I think intellectually we all know this, but I'm just going to state it flat out that you're probably not going to find your way to successful dating and relationships by locking yourself up in your home and doing nothing. Like, no matter what the porn says, you know, the hot pizza guy is not going to knock on your door. And when you're a few dollars short, you know, offer to take it out and trade. And even if that did happen, it's probably not going to result in a satisfactory relationship. Right? So we have to realize that in order to get more of what we want. There are certain things that are that have a higher likelihood of making that happen. And if dating and connecting and creating relationships and friendships, frankly, um, is a priority for us, especially right now as we're heading into 2024, a whole new year. We all love that. Like, oh, it's a new year, new me type of thing. Um, then got to get a date for Valentine's day, right? Or, or whatever it is, right? If we want something different than we've already gotten, we have to change our behaviors and putting ourselves out there, um, online and off is one way to, you know, really connect with people. So what I'm going to be sort of going over today is, um, how we present ourselves online, how we, and that's going to be the the first part of it is, you know, how we're marketing ourselves because that's essentially what we're doing. And then um, we'll talk about online options for meeting and connecting aside from just dating sites, you know, like there's, there's a whole realm of possibilities out there and how to lead into offline because you know, back in the early 2000s, you know, having that online boopsie and cybering was all the rage. It's not quite as satisfactory as, you know, what we're all probably looking for, which is, you know, somebody that we can reach out and touch or reach out and say, hey, I would really love to touch you right now, but I'm feeling super sensitive. So how about we just sit next to each other and read, right? Or whatever that is. It's the connection that's so simultaneously desired and terrifying. Absolutely. I mean, so I run a fairly large local only um, online community in a particular interest on Discord. And we actually just recently had somebody who very um, loudly identified as a certain type of neurospicy, joined the community and 
require lots and lots of hands-on assistance to, you know, make this shift into the community. And um, they were absolutely terrified. In fact, in this particular case, they were so terrified that even kindness and suggestions on how to make that transition smoother felt like a tax to them. I mean, obviously this person felt very raw and harmed by their life. Ultimately, they ended up not being a good fit at this time for the community because they would, at, at the, the smallest perceived slight, you know, they would just blow up. And we hope that if we're in this space, um, that, you know, you can get therapy, um, talk to somebody about it. I actually offer one-on-one -on -one coaching for things like this, including social anxiety and all of those, you know, neurodiversity, um, related harms that go through all of this. And also I'm hoping that many of you, I've had the opportunity to, you know, we're connecting with you before you get quite to that point of loneliness and terror. And obviously this is fear of rejection. I yeah. don't want to expose myself and then be rejected because that's going to hurt. Yes. And so it's much easier to create these barriers than to attempt meaningful connection. Yeah, and because really when it comes right down to it, a lot of us have learned how to mask, right? Um, in, in some cases, how to code switch, depending on who we are with. And the challenge with that is that when we put up these barriers to people getting in, we are ruining the chances of a genuine connection and forcing ourselves to be lonely. But when we lower those barriers, if we're rejected, and we will be sometimes because that is the nature of vulnerability, and we will be hurt even if we're not rejected because we might feel rejected even when we're not rejected. Um, when we do that, then we are feeling that hurt related to who we actually are instead of the mask that we're putting out there. And that is way, way more vulnerable. And honestly, I mean, when it comes right down to it, here's the thing that those of us who have been spotlighted for our faults in past relationships and in our families, growing up, whatever, something that's really, really hard for us to understand is that when it comes to online, especially like others viewing our profile or when you join a community for the first time and nobody knows you and they're starting to engage with you or whatever, it helps if you understand one very important thing. Nobody cares about you. No one. Absolutely Which, no one. It sounds horrifying because, you know, that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to, you know, find people to care about us. But it's also incredibly freeing. Nobody cares about you because they don't know you. And it is up to you to convince them to care about you. Now, in a good way. And honestly, it's up to you to convince them to care about how awful you are if that's what you're going to do, right? So nobody cares until they do. And we have the power of influencing yes. that care. Which we do from the very beginning with our profile. Yes. Yep. So when people are browsing our profile, um, any profile online, right? They care about what this person can do for them. How can you make their life better? Right? Um, what do they want from 
this person that they are seeing on the screen, which again, can see a little depressing and transactional, but this is how humans work. Even when it comes to friendship, we create friendships with people because we think this person will like me. This person is fun. This person makes me laugh. As we were talking earlier before the show, does this person make me want to lick their brain? Right? So it is up to us to throw those lures out there and reel them in to actual caring because the partner you want will read your carefully crafted profile or, you know, the comments that you leave on social sites online or, you know, follow your breadcrumbs when you're, you know, commenting on this, that, and the other thing on Facebook or whatever. And they will begin to care about you because they're your people. Right. And that's the key. How do we present ourselves in a way that we attract our best people? Okay. So, how do we present ourselves in a way that we attract our best people? Uh, okay. So, I've got several things that are really, really important. The first thing is on any site that doesn't use your actual name. Right. So, you know, um, my actual name is Heather Claus, my wallet name, my government name, whatever you want to call that. Um, on a lot of sites, when I need to use a username or a screen name, I go by a variation of Nookie, Nookie, Miss Nookie, Nookie Notes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's been my nickname forever. Right. Um, Thou shalt not, this is one of the, the primary commandments, thou shalt not pick an obnoxious username. It, it's one of those barriers we were talking about earlier when we put up like a, a nickname like, um, I don't really care, right? Or um, I'm a jerk and I know it. Or you know, bad days are here again, or, you know, on some sites, things like, you know, lick my balls, literally have gotten messages from lick my balls. That, yeah, that exactly. Um, and let's, let's just, let's just be real. You know, you're crafting, you're crafting a package here and either you are crafting it to your benefit, right? You are crafting it in a way that your best people will see that and say, heck yeah. Now, maybe your best people, every single one of them want to lick your balls. I don't maybe. know. You know, maybe that's your world. I, I've been in a lot of worlds, including, you know, kinky and non-monogamous. And not all of my best people want to lick my balls. So like, if that's your world, hey, you know, kudos to you. You do not need any more of this. You've got it. <laughs> right? Like, I cannot offer you anything. <laughs> um, you are a god and maybe, you know, give me a ring and I'm going to take some tips from you. But choose something that represents you and showcases who you are in a positive way. Something relatively neutral is ideal. Um, you can have some fun with it, but try not to be too clever picking a name. Um, a neutral name won't hurt you, but a silly, like super silly or inappropriate name, like lick my balls, can turn off a lot of good prospects. Now I have, um, I have a client who we were working through some things and he had, you know, this one very specific nickname that was like entirely focused on, you know, kind of his idea in his head of, you know, the life he wanted to live, which was a bit of a fantasy. And so we talked and I'm like, is, is this really what you want? Because it's, it's very, very pigeonholing you into this one idea of life. 
And we talked a little bit more and he ended up choosing a name, Creative Mecca, that goes along with the fact that he feels like he's a super creative person and he's truly into like the Mecca concept. And, you know, he and, and that is inoffensive to people who have no idea what Mecca is. Um, but they can see the word creative and they can be like, ooh, a creative guy. Interesting, right? And when he explains Mecca to people who don't know, he's passionate about it and excited about it. And it's a topic of conversation he feels comfortable with. And people who do know Mecca are instantly predisposed to be have positive feelings towards him. And that's pretty key, right? Because, you know, we've got this thing where when we send a message to somebody, one of the first things they see is our name, our username. And the other thing they see is our photos. Our profile photo. Yeah. So I have gotten more times than I can count the profile photo equivalent of lick my balls. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, all of you this, I am not offended by that. I am not offended by anything the human body can do or be or whatever. However, I feel, and I know many, many other people feel this because I have interviewed people online about, you know, dating, about kink, about non-monogamy, about all manner of things um, for years. That's one of my favorite ways to connect with people about topics that I'm interested in is to interview them. And most people feel that that profile photo, that first one, that main one, is the one that should represent you. And if you feel your best representation is lick my balls, again, if, if, if that's working for you, I bow down. I'm guessing though most of you, that's not working for you. <laughs> and for good reason, right? Because even the people who might enjoy the idea of a good ball licking here or there, I love this. This is so much fun to talk about. Um, it's never going to get old. It's not going to be their priority in the first conversation, right? It's just, it's just not. So let's talk. About, I mean, photos can be terrifying. How do we pictorially represent ourselves? Oh, awful thoughts, right? But and it's it's hard even if we my profile pic is I don't know I want to say eight years old at this oh, point super in time, and I'm online on camera every single day. I do not like photos taken of me though, <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people don't, right? You know, like I mean. So I, I have another client that I was, I'm working with who sent me this drop box of, you know, we're starting to work on his profile because one of his goals is to find that partner. Like that's a major goal. So we're working on a profile. And so he sends me a drop box and the drop box is, you know, photos of me. And he's got recent photos of me and he's got older photos of me and then he's got you know here's my profile from this site here's my profile from this site here's and then he's got here are writings i've done to you know give me a little you know feedback on what he's looking for and whatever in the photos the newer photos were all indoors they looked almost exactly alike and the lighting was awful Whereas the older photos, he'd been out. People had taken photos of him. It showed him doing things. And I'm like, dude, you need more newer photos like those older. Oh, you know, but people took those for me. And I'm like, yeah, get a friend to take some photos for you. I said, preferably, since you are a man looking for a woman, a woman friend. 
I said, here are the ones that I'd like you to try to recreate as best as possible, <laughs> you know? And this one from the newer photos, I took into Snapseed and I changed the color enough so that it worked for him. This is critical though. I mean, you got to be able to see who this person is. You want, you want, when you're putting up a photo, show your personality and what's important to you, right? Be approachable. You do not have to smile, right? You don't. People love pets. Show off parts of you that you're proud of, right? Reveal your unique bits. Have fun with it. In photos, we're trying to present the you that you love to others. You know, don't be stressed if you're not perfect. In fact, this was, I don't know, a decade or so ago, but um, OkCupid, back before they got bought by Match.com, was always looking at the data. And one of the data points that was really fascinating to me is that super attractive, polished, perfect photos got less attention than photos of somebody who had like a quirk, like a big nose or lots of freckles or something like that. It felt more approachable to people. Um, couple of things, learn a bit about photography and use something like Snapseed or whatever, just to, you know, brighten up the colors if you're a little dark or whatever. And for all that is holy, clean off your sink if you're going to take mirror photos. Like, and clean your mirror too. Be, be aware of what's in your background if you're going to take mirror photos. Like, I don't suggest it ever. Also, um, if you are, I, I'm, I'm going to be kind of silly here, but if you are a middle-aged dude, look up memes for middle-aged dude posting photos on dating sites and don't do any of those. <laughs> this, this look. Or this one. Not good, right? Just unattractive, right? Get somebody to help you if you can. Um, but all the photos don't also have to be about you. I mean, they have to be about you, but they don't have to be of you, right? It could be, this is a beautiful um, picture of, I have a favorite photo from Bangkok of a woman dressed in traditional Thai garments, like doing some sort of thing like this. And I got to see that in a parade in like Bangkok's Central Park. Like, Putting that up there gives people something to talk about with me. And I love travel and exploring different cultures. So that says a lot about me that I have that picture, even though it's not just me. You can put up pictures of your pets. You can put up pictures of your art. You can put up pictures of your music collection, right? You have these options. Make sure some of the pictures are you because that's people connect with faces and honestly, a lot of sites don't allow you to have only photos that are not faces. Oh, one okay. more thing. And don't have a group shot as your primary photo if you're looking <laughs> for a partner, right? Because like, no. unless you are, you know, non-monogamous and you're a couple or family seeking, the first thing somebody's going to look at when they see a group shot is who is what? Or, you know, if you put up a photo of you and a potential mate who is just a friend, they're always going to wonder, is that just a friend? And that may not matter to you. It may matter to them. So just be aware of the optics of having a group photo or a couple photo as your first or primary picture. Um. So glad none of this existed when I was dating. I, I just cannot even emphasize. <laughs> You're like, and I have gotten to skip the horror. Yes. Oh man. I I met my husband while I was tripping on acid. You know, it's just all uphill from there. <laughs> I will tell you this though. For the neurospicy online options to make that initial connection are a huge boon. 
if you are shy or awkward or whatever, this, as terrifying as it might be, is still so amazing as opposed to trying to like go out constantly and do this in person. And let's talk about that. How much of myself am I identifying in my profile? So I have, you know, I've said in previous episodes that I don't think it's critically important for everyone to know your diagnosis or your medications or anything like that. I do, however, and I've said this in both previous episodes, and I'm going to say it probably in every single episode. I do, however, suggest that you be open and honest and radically neurospicy. So own your differences when you write your profile. Make it clear who you are and that you accept yourself. Um, and most importantly, that you expect any potential partners to accept you as well. Um, mm. Invite those browsing your profile to opt into your life. Because when it comes right down to it, the goal in writing an online dating profile is to meet people to date. So eventually, if things go well, and you hope they will, they will learn who you really are. The truth will out itself. And better to allow them to choose the truth of engaging with you and what that is going to mean. So it doesn't mean you have to be boring about it, though. I mean, let's Let's just, I've got a couple of great examples. So like, I am super active. Like I get out to the gym several times a week. I love walking. I love hiking. I love getting outdoors, you know, and I hate capital H, capital A, capital T, capital E, hate running. So mm. instead of putting something on my profile that says, I hate running and I hate runners, which I don't really hate runners, but gosh, just thinking about it exhausts me, right? I say, I run like an asthmatic sloth. Don't ask me to race with you, but hiking in nature is always fun and I can go for hours, right? Like, I don't. I like telling people that I love being outdoors and 50% of the time, if I don't put something like that in there, they're like, Oh, do you like to run? No. And frankly, now I'm giving you the side eye. So <laughs> <laughs> kidding a little bit, right? A My partner runs sometimes, <laughs> but what about things like, um, instead of I'm depressed, right? Or I'm sad. Um, my emotional regulation software got installed wrong. So I feel down sometimes. It would be ideal if you understood how depression can affect people so I could really be myself around you. I promise my depression does not define me. Or uh, instead of I'm socially awkward, like a lot of people, like I've seen that on so many profiles, not in exactly those words, but in very close to that. So how about, you know, having a little fun with it? You know, I'm, I'm terminally, terminally unhip. So I was never part of the cool crowd. I'm like Avis. I try harder. Um, <laughs> you know, like have some fun with these things instead of talking about like how you get overstimulated and you won't do this and you won't do that. How about I prefer one-on-one -on -one connections and small crowds and I carefully plan my adventures so that I don't get overwhelmed. I'm not going to be the person dancing in the nightclub with you until 3 a.m., but with the right preparation, I'll definitely fly to exotic places and explore our world with you. Right? So we, we have options. If you're constantly late, you know, say, if you have a scheduling kink and you're willing to help me be on time, you might be my perfect partner, right? Um, instead of talking about like 
how you don't have much time because you you're an introvert and you don't want to like people to think you're going to be constantly with them say something like i tend to have a full life and finding time to schedule can sometimes be a challenge so when we do get together i like to plan mini adventures to make the most of the time we share right the the key is obviously you are you whether you lie or tell the truth, how you tell the truth, especially in an online profile, especially when you're getting to know someone, how you tell your truth, how you create the boundary that they can look at and see you matters, right? Saying, I'm constantly late, deal with it, is not as much fun as saying, you know, my best partner has a scheduling kink and will tell me that something starts 15 minutes before it does. Right? That's, <laughs> it, it matters, right? Instead of being reactive or even showing that you've been harmed in the past by people getting upset with you for being late, you are being proactive and putting it out there and saying, this is who I am. I'm doing my best at being human. And I'd love to have some fun with it with you if you're the right person. Right? So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all about marketing. It's all about telling them why they should give a shit about you. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and let's, let's just talk about that. It's, it's easy to get oversaturated online when you are swipe, 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 swiping, right? It's clear that there are an infinite number of possibilities. So it's up to you to make your ideal mate understand what it is about you that they're going to find particularly attractive, right? So even in a written profile, now we already talked about pictures, you know, show, don't tell, show your art, show your travels, show this, but also in a profile, instead of telling people about who you are, show them. Instead of saying, I'm kind of funny, put humor into your profile. Right. So instead of like, I like making things, um, I'm super crafty and I design my own clothing, you know, or instead of I like board games, I'm a rock star at games, especially Monopoly, Werewolf and Exploding Kittens. Right. Because then people would be like, Exploding Kittens, what? Or it's Werewolf? The best yeah. game. But the see, best game. See, and you see. Now, if I just said I like board games, then you might be like, okay. But you start adding in what you actually like, and you're having fun. Instead of I like to travel, say something like, you know, I've been to 49 states and eight foreign countries. I also speak three languages and two of them poorly. <laughs> Like, <laughs> but I can say taxi in every language in the world because it's taxi. That's, it's taxi. that's the joke there. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but again, having some fun with it. Why should they care? And... Once we've done this, this horrific profile dance mm. that has made us explain ourselves in ways we probably weren't even aware of before, which honestly I think is part of this, many of us do not take the time to radically self-assess, which means writing a profile is painful. But then we actually have to go through and have these conversations with people. Walk us through it a little bit. Well, one more step before you post this thing. Check your grammar and your spelling as mm -hmm. best you can. Um, I do suggest writing it in Word or pages or whatever. I also suggest saving it as a draft and reading it later. 
I suggest read it out loud to yourself. Does it actually sound like you speaking or does it sound like I am, hi, hello, my name is so-and-so. I do the fashion design thing. Yeah. So throw in a few emojis, um, some text speak if you want to. Do it judiciously when it, with an eye towards what you're communicating about who you are. I like to write a profile as if I'm speaking to somebody. Speaking specifically, actually, directly to my best partner, right? I want you to feel like I am either speaking to you or you should deselect. And actually, I've got a quick story about that before we move on. So this guy sends me this message. First message. You're kidding, right? So immediately my brain goes, ding, this is going to be fun. So I just write back and I'm like, about what exactly? He said, if you're so super smart, why not just be regular smart and delete the novel and just use an honest super profile where you're not so super full of yourself? So I... I assumed he was referring to the part of my profile where I say, I am super smart and interested in your mind as well as your body. And it was a fairly long profile, to be fair. And so I wrote back and I said, because my profile does exactly what it's supposed to do. It turns off people like you who are not my target partners and really, really attracts people that I enjoy. So why would I change it to something you would like to read when that means I would attract you? I don't want that. This is exactly what we're looking for. Anybody who reacts negatively to a well-crafted profile that we feel really represents us, not a good match, right? So also one more thing, ask for the date in your profile. Like say, more. say if, you know, if you like exploding kittens, reach out, let's grab a game at a tea shop or whatever it is, right? Like, ask for it and be specific. If, if my profile interests you, drop me a line and let's talk about our favorite movies, compare philosophies and get to know each other. Or, hey, y'all, I'm the spontaneous type. Um, shoot me a note and suggest a good tea shop for our first meet. Let's sip some tea and people watch as we get to know each other. Or think it might be fun to connect. I know a great public spot where we can sit with a picnic lunch and enjoy fresh air. And the reason I say that is because, again, that is you taking charge and being proactive with the kind of first date suggestions that work best for you and your neurotype, right? So you can choose something that's a little more quiet than, I don't know, a rock and roll concert, right? Or you can, you know, make a suggestion of going to a spot that you feel comfortable and safe then you can arrive yeah, because if they don't if they don't play along with your first date request the rest of them are going to be bad too right absolutely that is that is absolutely huge so then once you actually make that connection and we're going to talk um a bit more about first messages when we're talking about like get likable. So the first messages and the first conversations and you know how we're making that connection. But let's also talk about, okay, so we've got this profile and we're making these connections. That's on a dating site, right? Like that's, and it's also you know, like on Facebook, you kind of have your profile in the sense that like you put in your bio, you choose your picture, and then pretty much everything you like and comment on becomes a part of your feed, right? So like people get to know you that way. And people, yes, do use Facebook for dating and connecting and whatever. But what if you're doing this offline? What are we going to do there, right? So let's talk about that. Meetups. You know, like, do you like to cycle? Get out in a meetup group. Um, are you a computer geek? Get out in like a learn to code workshop. Are you um, into crafty stuff? You know, 
put together, you know, put up flyers at the local college about like going out on like getting together and having a thrifting day or a reduce, reuse, recycle day, or, you know, go to uh, the local art store and see if you can, you know, volunteer with kids or, you know, something that gets you out around and with people doing something that you feel comfortable doing learning something that you want to learn anyway, even if you don't end up connecting with somebody, right? But having that parallel enjoyment of something connects people and it gives you something to talk about. I connect with people I go to the gym with. I am 50 years old and I connect with like 20 year olds, 30 year olds, 40 year olds, like, because we're talking about the gym, we're at the gym and we're talking about the gym. We're not only talking about strength training and how much we hate core class, but we're also talking about climbing because it's a climbing gym, right? Like it, it instantly gives us something in common to make small talk about. Now, I know a lot of people hate small talk and I don't blame you. I have hated it for most of my life. Like you give me a good discussion of like the philosophies of Epictetus and I am in. Like talking about the weather, really? What, what did, um, there, was, there was something back in Iowa that I, I used to love is, it's not the heat, it's the stupidity. Um, like, oh gosh, we gotta talk about this some more, do we? Just understand, this is social lubricant. It goes along with, and I'll throw this in different parts of, you know, these episodes, high context and low context speaking. Small talk is how we engage with people we hardly know. It allows us to stay on a level that keeps things light and non-frustrating and to see how our conversational rhythms work together. It is a very um, low context way of speaking, but it is also putting a bid out there for attention. Hey, how you doing today? That is, if you boil that down into the, the most basic ask, it's, Hey, pay attention to me. I would like to connect with you. Ah, oh, gosh, it's cold outside, isn't it? Hey, pay attention to me. I would like to connect with you. So core class really sucked today, didn't it? Hey, pay attention to me. I would like to connect with you. When people make small talk with you, that is literally all they're saying. Hey, pay attention to me. I would like to connect with you. And if you are also interested in connecting, then that should be simple, a simple decision to make. Let me turn towards them. Let me connect with them, even if it's small talk, right? Um, using online to get offline as quickly as possible is often ideal. Neurospicy people, especially those with a little bit of social anxiety or nervousness or shyness or whatever, we can get very caught up in never getting offline, never yes. actually getting to in person. I cannot tell you how many neurospicy people I know who end up terribly lonely terribly touch starved, but with hundreds of friends online that they game with constantly. They're, and that's absolutely okay. And yet, if you are lonely and touch starved and you need in-person connection, you gotta get to in-person. You just, you just gotta. And it's going to suck and you're going to make mistakes the first few times, the first hundred few times. I mean, when I realized, when I got diagnosed and I realized coming out of an abusive marriage, just how 
out of touch with humanity. I was as a person. I was like, okay, I'm going to pull up my big girl panties and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail to connect with people over and over and over again. And boy, did I. I put myself in more and more discomfortable situations until the ones at the beginning were like, oh, that's easy now. I've done this, right? I, fun story. I actually met some really good friends once. I uh, sent them a message online. This is back when Yahoo Personals was still a thing. And they had a group. I sent them a message saying, hey, I'd really love to join your group. This is like six o'clock in the morning. 10 minutes later, I get a message back from the leader of the group saying, hey, we would love to meet you. How would you like to come to Christmas dinner today? And I was right in the middle of this, like, I'm going to do, un you know, uncomfortable things. I'm going to make myself discombobulated as much as I went. And boy, did I feel awkward and weird. And yet they are still dear friends of mine to this day. Because I was like, hey, what have I got to lose? Another friend of mine, curiously enough, also online, was like, no, don't do that. That's, that's unsafe. I'm like here I go. <laughs> so doing that, you know, like I'm, I made mistakes during that dinner, but I was likable enough, or rather, let me say, I fit in well enough. My demons played well enough with theirs. How about, let's put it that way. They were my people. So the, the mistakes that I made in the long run didn't matter as much as them being my people, right? Join a, you know, join a local D&D &D game, a gamers group, you know, um, get together, like have a, have a little, you know, thing at your house where you get together and you talk about strategies for, you know, some game that you like, or you do um, parallel crafting, right? You know, like you don't all have to work on the same thing, but you can craft and not have to look at each other and you can talk about whatever comes up while you are parallel crafting. If you are the type of person who spends weeks trying to get somebody, get to know somebody online before you meet them, I will tell you two things. One, you are absolutely neurospicy. <laughs> and it's going to be really hard to get that connection, right? And you're doing that out of fear. Two, you're not going to know them any better when you meet them in person. You're going to know what they've been able to present to you online, which might be, you know, their favorite books or whatever. But what you are not going to know is how your chemistry is, how they're going to react face-to-face, -face, how they're going to, you know, accept or not accept your quirks. Maybe you have facial tics. Maybe you, you move your hands strangely. You know, maybe you are really good at taking a moment before you bang out a response, but in person you stutter or you can't come up with the words quickly enough and you get flustered, right? You're not going to know. It's a false sense of security. And you're going to fill in things that you hope about them. Right. There's real danger here because we've crafted an image of this person that doesn't actually exist. Right. And so that's that's a big, big concern, especially for the neurospicy who might be on the... I tend to tell the truth about everything scale or I tend to trust everybody because a neurocommon, especially a neurocommon with negative intentions, is going to see right through that, mine you for information and come to that meeting totally prepared. And I know this because they do it to each other as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I spent time in the pickup artist community and I learned how these people 
prime the pump or pick victims to target by speaking online. So it's really, really important that you do your best to get offline, check if it's going to work as quickly as possible, and also listen to your gut. If it, if it feels too good to be true, be aware of that and don't, don't break any boundaries of your own. Like if somebody seems super attractive and exciting and whatever, and they invite you instead of, you know, something that fits more what your first date looks like, they invite you to something that is definitely not going to work for you, but you so want to do it because you don't want to say no. That's just a disaster waiting to happen, right? In every possible way. One of the things that I can tell you about um, meeting in person, especially being neurospicy, is that if you are able, if you have the types of thought processes that allow you to put things together, and you join, you know, local communities for crafters or for gamers or for whatever, you can convince multiple people to come over to your place, bring you food, socialize with you, and then go away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was one of the first ways that I really started getting my social on. I joined a group. They were like, you know, hey, it'd be really nice to get together. And I'm like, hey, I've got a big living room. How about y'all come over and everybody brings food and, um, you know, we have a game night. And so we started with like seven people. We ended up, I think over the year that I was doing that, we ended up with like 32 people at one point scattered around my house. And I didn't have to leave. I didn't right. have to go Home anywhere. Turf. You were, you were where you felt safe. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So it's important. Again, I talked a lot about online and I talked a lot about the profiles and I talked a lot about how to present yourself as a person online. All of these things also apply offline in the sense that, you know, when you go out, you can absolutely wear that stained and holy t-shirt and say, well, people have to love me for who I am. 100%. And if who you are looks like you haven't showered or changed your clothes since 1972, it will be harder for people to want to love you. Right? Simple. Goes along with photos. The things that you say about yourself in person ah, uh, you know, I'm such an idiot. I never like to get anything right. Yada, yada, yada. You know, again, right. This is, these are the same things that offline and on matter. Another thing that I forgot to mention, don't ever put things in your profile that are super negative about other people, especially groups of people or your ex. So You've heard of the waiter rule, right? If somebody's not nice to the waiter, but they're nice to you, they're not a nice person, right? If somebody's being nice to you on like an early date, but they only have negative things to say about every single one of their exes, I bet you can imagine what they're going to have to say about you at some point in the future, right? Or how about, you know, no gold diggers? Well, I'm going to pass that by. I mean, not only because you're being negative, but also because if you buy me a coffee and I don't have sex with you, are you going to call me a gold digger? Like, I just don't even want to go there. I don't want that kind of energy in my life. So that's another thing, you know, and doing that in person, one of the challenges we had with that, um, the person who joined our community that I talked about earlier, um, their loudly proclaiming how neurospicy they were in very particular ways, um, and then taking offense and saying, literally, well, you people are treating me exactly as I expected, 
when we were literally trying to give them the tools that they needed to succeed made the entire host group because you know i don't run it all by myself that would be exhausting the entire host group say i don't think this person is going to be a good fit because they're going to blow up at somebody who's trying to be nice too often they're going to hurt themselves with what other people think and misinterpreting it over and over and over again. And they're going to hurt other people with the shrapnel of their self-destruction. Mm -hmm. You know, and people do this in person as well. If somebody says something to you and you start to feel, you know, oh, was that a, was that mean? Was that a barb? You know, either remove yourself from the online discussion or the in-person discussion or ask for clarification. Um, all of this is about you. I don't give two squirrel shits about anyone else. I am talking to you. I'm talking to my neurospicy peeps. And I am not telling you, you have to be a different person than you are at all. I am telling you that when you are putting yourself out there, be the ideal version of yourself for you, right? The ideal version of yourself is not angry, is not bitter, is not hurting other people with our emotional shrapnel. The ideal version of yourself is adjusted and proactive and willing to meet, you know, people who might be a benefit in your life. And that means doing the things that are more likely to make that a probability that you can do. Remember, last episode we were talking about resources. So be aware of your resources and what you have to put into this whole dating thing. And then from there, use those resources to present and be, I mean, honestly, be the best version of you that you can be for the partners that you're excited to bring into your life. The more I define the person I want to be, the closer I am to becoming that person, even if I'm not there yet. And that's yes. true in your romantic life too. I, I think that that is. And in fact, some years ago, I wrote this thing about the idea that I feel the bulk of his hypocrisy that we encounter in day-to-day -day life is actually people who are saying their ideals and their dreams and their wishes that they have not yet fully embodied. And we need to hold space for that in life, right? When somebody says, yeah, you know, Jim is really important to me. And you look at him, you're like, really? Right? That is somebody saying, this is who I want to be. This is how I want to be seen. So, you know, that's when you say, great, I've been looking for a gym buddy. How about, you know, we do the things together? Because all of us, every neurospicy person has at one point said, oh yeah, I really, you know, fill in the blank. And we're like, I don't really fill in the blank, but gosh, I wish I could, right? And what if somebody at that time had stepped up and said, hey, you know what? Let's do fill in the blank together. And are you good at this? Are you new to this? I'm new to this. Okay, here, let me give you some tips, help you through it, right? That's who we want to be for ourselves. That's who we want to be for everyone else. Whether, and again, we don't know whether someone's neurocommon or neurospicy when we meet them, we don't know other people's challenges. So if we can just be the best we can be, present that to others, then I think we're good to go. All right, my friend, this one in particular, you mentioned there's a way to work with you one-to-one -to, -one to do this kind of thing. Tell us a little bit more. So, um, I enjoy, like one of my favorite things is helping people get fast results in their life. And um, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. 
You can find out more information at my.curiouser.life. And um, as an example, uh, I took on a client uh, in the summer of this year, um, had never really had a romantic relationship at all, um, was terrified to even talk about these things, um, was in therapy. When he started coaching with me weekly, he um, put therapy on pause and just went like every six weeks with, to, to therapy. And after a couple of months, he went to see his therapist and his therapist was like, oh, holy fudge, you have come a long way in a very short period of time. Like literally, and this is in less than six months. In fact, I'd say it was even in less than four months. He actually got to the point where he had made friends and was trying to figure out how to tell one person who he was not attracted to in that way, how he valued their friendship and didn't want to go right down that path with them. So there are ways to make huge strides quickly by simply changing a few of the beliefs that we have created through the trauma in our life. <laughs> Hi, Nicole. Good to see you. You say, uh, once I realized that self-motivation truly does rule the world, and that is okay, because it's true for everyone. It's okay to do things in your own self-interest. It may even serve someone else's self-interest. We are all here for each other that way. It's actually quite beautiful. And that's the thing. Like, So here's what I have to say. And this is not totally about the neurospicy, but it's my belief. Selfishness is not wrong. Selfishness is actually good and natural. The key is what do we really want? If we want to hurt others in order to make ourselves feel good, selfishness will end up harming others. If we want, to be connected and joyous and happy and have the people around us feel connected and joyous and happy, selfishness will lead us inexorably towards that goal. And that's part of it. Like that's part of the belief systems we've been given. A lot of what we believe are we have to control or be controlled. We have to do, play offense or play defense. And one of the things I teach is we just have to learn to take up our own space and then invite people to enjoy that space with us. This has been so fun. It and always is. Next time we're talking about having that talk. Yeah. All of the small talks, all of the big talks. I I think it's gonna be pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Talking and Again, that's going to be like, like setting up a profile, like taking a picture, like putting yourself out there, terrifying, right? And something I, I think is really, really important. And I want to say this now, and I'll say it again multiple times as we go through these. Some people are going to be really good at some of these things. You might be a writing whiz. You might be a marketing genius. You might be a copywriter in your day job, and you can write for yourself, the profile that sells you like nobody's business, right? You might be that person, but you might have a hard time with interactive conversation. Or when I talk about like, get likable, get bangable, get lovable, get sustainable. Some people are going to be really good, like the extroverted ADHDers are going to be really good at getting likable and getting bangable, maybe even getting lovable, but their sustainability with the whoo, executive dysfunction, not so good. Whereas some people are really good at being loyal and dear friends and companions. So they're lovable and they're sustainable. But the likable and bangable is a lot harder for them because they can't do, you know, this small talk. They can't do this dating thing. It's So we're going to cover all of these things, looking at each step of the process. Take what works for you 
and leave the rest behind, right? I'm offering you in all of this, I'm not the be all end all of anything. I'm offering you what I hope is a chance to increase your probabilities. This wow. is the one. Thank you, Nicole. That is beautiful. A mentor once told me that when we give people the opportunity to reject us, we also give them the opportunity to embrace us deeply. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's something I'll definitely talk about as we go on is the idea of get rejected as often as possible. Fail forward as much as you can. And, you know, for those of us who have, you know, maybe a little bit of RSD, it helps when you get your friends involved in setting low stakes rejections and getting yourself used to that. It also helps, though, because when you learn to take rejection, you get better at giving it when you need to. And that's critically important to be able to set your boundaries and say no. Fail faster, Nicole. Y'all, this has been fabulous. So next time, talking, the small mm -hmm. talk, the big talk. If you have questions, we would love to hear from you. That number is 402 819-9939. Give us a call. We'll be reviewing all of this as we go through. And we'd really love to be able to help you build meaningful relationships because that's what this is here for. 100%. I don't want you to be alone. You shouldn't have to do this alone. None of this, none of us are doing this alone anymore. All right. We'll see you next time. Have an amazing day, y'all. Bye.